Thanks for listening to the Replatform podcast, sponsored by Crown Peak and Elastic Path and hosted by me, James Gerd. Um, warm welcome if it's your first time. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort into creating this content. Um, help us keep the podcast um, completely free for everybody and get access to amazing guests and interesting content. Refer us to people in your network. Let them know the podcast exists. You can boost our posts on social media. We mainly post on LinkedIn. The best thing you do to help is give us our show a rating wherever you are listening or watching. So let me set up our latest episode. We are talking about our Elastic Pulse new product strategy market positioning. So one of the key things we love to do on this podcast is keep track of where all the big vendors are going, what's changing, their go-to-market strategies, product releases, etc. It's a really interesting episode again today. We'll look at what the role of a modern econ platform is under the hood of, uh, of Last Pass New Product Strategy, and then looking at some of the, the product roadmap areas. And really happy today to, to welcome Brian House to the podcast. He's the Chief Experience Officer. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing great. Great to be here, James. Yeah, look, thanks for joining us um, from rainy Boston. It's a, it's a rare occasion when I get to gloat over the weather um, in, in London. So uh, before we get into the, the questions about uh, Elastic Path and the, and the product piece, do you want to give people uh, a bit of a, a flavour for who you are, your role, and, and just like, you know, how you would describe Elastic Path um, to, to somebody who's coming across it for the first time? Sure, sure. Yeah, no, uh, happy to. So, yeah, so my, my title is a unique one of Chief Experience Officer. So, essentially, I own all of the touch points with customers after they uh, initially sign on with Elastic Path. So, that means I own product management, user experience. I own customer success as well as global services. So when someone signs up to be a customer, they go on a journey with us for some number of t- some amount of time and and they're dealing, interacting with my organizations throughout that whole period. Cool. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's you know, and, and then, uh, yep. And then Elastic Path is, is really, you know, we're a composable commerce platform. We give commerce leaders complete freedom to design, orchestrate, and manage their initiative-specific best-for-me commerce solutions. Um, and so really what makes us interesting is we're, you know, we allow commerce teams to innovate on their own terms. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that means today. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's part of what we want to do today is, is, is to get the perspective of Elastic Path and where they've seen the market going. Because I think that's really interesting for people listening is how do the, the, the big tech companies perceive the market and, and therefore how is that influencing product strategy? So let's let's start with that. That thing's a good starting point is is how are you and how does the last part see the e-commerce platform needs of merchants and how it's evolving? Like what what are the pain points that that you are seeing with e-commerce stacks that you're obviously now trying to solve? Sure. I think the you know the biggest the biggest pain point that we're seeing is sort of this need for flexibility. You know, the e- e-commerce market has been um, has been evolved for the last few decades, right? It's a mature market. And but one of the sort of patterns that we've seen, it's interesting given the name of your podcast, is the vendors have trained the market to take advantage of new innovation. You need to do a lift and shift from all your commerce capabilities onto a new platform, right? And so what, you know, and and we've seen sort of large leaps in innovation from the commerce platform, which might have justified that in the past. And I think what's happening now in, 2024 is is organizations are a lot more digitally mature. They application development has evolved pretty significantly, and so customers are looking 
to narrow their focus and sort of sidestep this whole idea is I need to replatform as my buy-in to solve problems for my merchandisers, for my commerce business. And so this ability, you know, what we see companies being much more focused on is the jobs to be done and the problems to be solved rather than, hey, I need to rip and replace all the things that I do from a commerce perspective because I want to do some new thing that, you know, vendor X offers. Um, and so that sort of narrowed focus is really, um, you know, what what we see driving purchase decisions today and, and really what customers are interested in. And not surprisingly, we've seen product management get much more focused on jobs to be done. That same same framework and philosophy is is happening on the buyer side as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've definitely seen this, the, the mindset shift from we, we need to replatform every three to five years to why do why are we? There, there must be a better way of exactly. building out a, a technology stack that can react without having to do a massive rip and replace and you know, million pound plus capex every few years. So yeah, that resonates. Uh, one thing I really want to drill into because uh, Elastic Path is one of the early proponents of, of, of you know describing what composable commerce was. Um, and I think We've got lots of terminology we've had, you know, headless, you've got the math alliance, microservices, APIs. I think Composable, from my experience of working with lots of different merchants, mainly SMEs, but also into large enterprise, Composable was the bit that people found really hard to get a grip for what it really meant and how you'd start and what that journey would look like. So I'd love to hear from you because I now know that you know, you're, you're evolving your product strategy. Um, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but... That some of the some of the information I've seen come out from, from James, for example, saying that composable is is not the full picture and maybe it's not the right right the way to like pin, pin your hat on. Why why does Elastic Path think then that composable commerce is not really landing and giving people like the the vision that they need? Yeah, um, it's an interesting question. Yeah, I think you know I. Th- it's, I, I wouldn't, I'm not sure if I would argue that composable commerce isn't landing as I just think the, uh, because, because in reality, composable is, is really a term that defines modern application development, right? Um, you know, I mean, a, a, AWS is the perfect composable architecture. You had this big monolithic system that 20 years ago, they broke into mi- microservices and now you assemble them based on what your needs are. Right. And so, so I think, I think if anything, in the commerce space, given that there's this interesting dichotomy between sort of business buyers and con- consider you know stakeholders in the commerce platform and technical buyers, is I think it makes a lot of sense on the comp- on the technical side. I don't think it sort of maybe it doesn't grok isn't grokked on the business side as much because you know they're focused on hey I have a I have a problem to solve and so a little bit of our idea around this idea of unplatforming goes to what we said before. It's about narrowing the focus and solving problems, but it's built on this, this foundation of composability and composable application development. Um, but it's really about identifying what's the right tool for the job and how do I provide a connective tissue to connect all those tools together into a functioning application ecosystem. Um, you know, it's funny, I was talking to Gartner earlier and, you know, and in there, you know, they they published a report a few years ago, sort of evolving the digital commerce ecosystem. You know, and they had this great picture. I re- refer to it all the time. It's the digital commerce application ecosystem. It's got fifty different technologies in it, but a commerce platform only does four things, right? Products and 
um, catalogs, bundles, and uh, or baskets and promotions, card and checkout and accounts, right? And so everything else is usually some other set of capabilities. And I think that what's 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 happened in the market is historically, um, in order to take advantage of innovation and some of those things, you know, sort of monolithic technologies would have to build capabilities in all of these areas. Right. And, and, and what we've seen is this commoditization of that. Right. So now there's, there are vendors that do features that are in more monolithic sort of historically monolithic platforms. And, and secondly, it's all about assembling these components, the right, the right tools for the job for your business is where um, the value of sort of the unplatform and, and and this idea of composable commerce, our vision of it, really comes together, and that's why that foundation of hey, you're buying into a, a prospect is buying into this idea. I'm going to pick the right tools for my business, and how quickly can I uh, assemble those pieces, connect them together, and then drive build the experiences that make sense for my, you know, my business objectives. That's really at the heart of what an unplatform is, in our opinion. Crown Peak, enabling organizations to build meaningful digital experiences for everyone everywhere. Engage your customers with our content management system. Reach your entire audience with our digital accessibility and quality tools and grow your brand with our product discovery solution. Find out more at crownpeak.com. I have to say that I am... Um... I think the word, I think the phrase, you're right, technical technology audience, I think more intimate business audience, the core business audience, I mean, like they're e-com managers who aren't technology driven e-com managers, but more trader managers. Composable bit, just as a terminology, just hasn't landed. It isn't as clear in their heads as things like headless for some reason. And I think the word you just said, component, is the one head <laughs> talk about. I think people get the idea of components, components that have interoperability, but components that have independencies. Um, that seems to that seems to help people totally. structure much better, and and it leads me on to my next question, which is what I see a lot more in the market is it's come not just the we don't want to have to replatform every three to five years, but we don't want to have to do if we're doing a big project, we don't want it all in one go. It's not this massive release where it takes twelve months to get totally. there. Really, we we will phase it, and we're avoiding big bang rip and shift. It's right, okay, maybe we're going to sort out the checkout car functionality, and that's part of the project, and we've gone to a new econ platform just on that for the starter are you do you think this is being driven by the advancements in the technology technology capabilities that you've outlined or is it just businesses evolving to be smarter or or both like what do you think is driving that that different approach well i do think technology plays in a, a critical role right the um the the under technical underpinnings to uh, enable you to do sort of a, you know, what's often referred to as a strangler pattern or a phased approach to an implementation didn't exist 10, 15 years ago, right? You know, we all worked with those those platforms and you couldn't break them down. And, and what we see is sort of the legacy monolithic platforms are now trying to make their products more composable because people have sort of force fit new search engines to it or new front ends on it or, you know, um, new merchandising capabilities into that because the standard out of the box ones didn't meet their needs um, and didn't help them create unique experiences, right? So they did it through force and, you know, sheer will. Now those platforms are a lot more sort of standard API interfaces, microservices based and, and, and doing those things. So I think that 
Um, I think there's technology is a big driver of that. But I also think there's a, an understanding, a deepening understanding of how all the pieces come together, the components, right? Like if you're a, a business merchandiser, you're looking at Google Analytics, like you're looking at different uh, ad metrics tools to return, check track return on ad spend. You're working at your in your PIM or your product experience management solution. You work, you know, you're working in five or six different technologies to do your day to day job, which is you know sort of revenue merchandising, increase order value, move inventory, right? But you probably wouldn't think of that as a composable day to day life, right? But in effect, that's the same thing, right? You know, and it's just you know, composable gets wound up in so much sort of technical jargon. And I'm guilty of that as much as anyone, because that's, as I said, it's such a core philosophy of application development. I'm a big believer in sort of the Jeff Lawson school of build or die, right? It's not build or buy anymore, right? And so that at the heart of that is the ability to, is the interoperability layer between all of these applications that enables you to build sort of composable architecture. So I think it's just, um, I think it's more, you know, composable is a term you would use as a developer um, or a technical buyer, but yeah. business users have been doing this, this similar approach for years. They just don't call it composable. It's called getting my job done. Yeah. I, I think this is, this is where it comes down to it's, it's the semantics often of how, how phrases are interpreted and mm -hmm. whether they're relevant to people. Uh, there was um, John Williams from Ambulance did a, a really nice um, uh, mini video recently about a composer wrote a blog about saying that too many people have mistaken composable as an architectural solution rather than a strategic totally. direction. I think that's a really nice position. But yeah. So let, let's come on to it because you're, you know, Elastic Paths, um, you've just announced your new product strategy and we'll come into what that really means in a minute, but mm -hmm. unplatform is a terminology you're using. So I'm going to do my devil's advocate here as a as a consultant, which is sounds like another marketing buzzword that's been chucked into the marketplace. Um, but you, I get, I get the principle behind it. That makes perfect sense. And I guess terminology is needed to, to pin things together. But um, can you just get for people listening, what does Elastic Path really mean by this in terms of systems architecture? Is anything fundamentally different to to, to how you've built your platform previously, um, or is this more? trying to align with operationally how e-commerce teams are thinking and behaving? You know, I think there's a couple of things here. I mean, you know, what we've, what we've done is we've taken a number of services, right? This is the beauty of sort of a, a, a microservice-based architecture. We've, we've made them independently consumable. So there's definitely some, some systems architecture components to it. So you don't have to use all the things to unlock the capabilities of PXM or EP payments or, or what have you, right? Um, it, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not a, a all, you know, binary decision, if you will. Um, but I think, I think so much of this is really about sort of really goes to this idea of um, what are the, what are the problems to be solved, right? So this is around, you know, the, the day-to-day -day lives of e-commerce teams of where are their challenges um, and how do we, we help them address problems. Um, and so I think that would falls more into the operational implications of, of, of this for, for teams. Um, you know, look, I think what's, what's nice about a term like unplatform is it provides a unique rallying cry, um, uh, that is is identifiable 
and it, it enables it gives our customers the ability to to talk a little bit about how you know what their approach is right because you know we full, certainly understand we sell uh, software to companies and then our champions have to go sell that internally right and so a little bit is is creating a lingua franca for them to talk about what it is that they're trying to achieve and how they're going to uh, address their unique business challenges um you know so i think that i think the answer sit, sort of sits in between the two of them so certainly you know the the tech piece which allows these services to be consumed independently is an important piece of it but it really goes beyond um uh you know how the mech the mechanics of how you connect all these and to and to create this tissue connective tissue if you will in terms of how all these pieces come together within an organization you know we saw I, we were talking to a customer um a few months ago and 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 it sort of under it sort of nailed it for me which was they showed their sort of current architecture and there was 25 boxes on it and across those 25 boxes there were 19 different technologies and their commerce platform was sort of a legacy commerce platform, you know, one that, you know, a vendor like us would refer to as monolithic. And it was in like 10 of the boxes. Um, and, you know, so part of me is like all application development is sort of composable by nature because every organization is using, you can't do, a, there's no single technology for commerce, but B, it also highlighted the risk associated with, you know, swapping out the commerce platform, right? You're taking out half chain making changes to half of those boxes. If you're a risk, you know, concerned in uh decision maker, you're like, why do I want to solve all of those problems? I just want to take out two or three of those, you know, or I want to solve, I have a problem in box a, um, you know, merchandising or bundling or what have you, how do I solve that problem? Right. And earn the right to take out more boxes in there. And I think that's at the heart of what the sort of unplatform is, is it provides the mechanics by which you do that. Elastic Path is on a mission to break through the barriers that prevent commerce leaders from delivering extraordinary shopping experiences. Both business and tech teams are able to innovate on their own terms, fully embrace composability, and in turn, never compromise on what's possible. Learn more at www.elasticpath.com. And you've, you've mentioned connective tissue um, a few times in terms of like phrasing for describing the, the interconnectivity. Let, let's let's um, mm -hmm. explore that in terms of what that really means. Like, is this the same as, is this basically open APIs and microservices or is there something fundamentally different in terms of what you mean from an architectural point of view? You know, I think it, it we are referring to APIs and microservices. You know, one of the things that we've built and that's at the heart of our solution is is uh, is a product we call Composer, our service we call Composer, and and really what that is is um, it's a uh, commerce and intelligent commerce informed iPaaS integration platform as a service. So it's taking advantage of the APIs and microservices, but it's simplifying the whole process for connecting the, all these components. Um, and so that's, I think, I think one of the things that we see is, you know, when we go to large events or talk to analysts or whatever, you know, com composability is an important story that everyone's interested in, but it introduces a level of complexity, um, that many organizations that certainly are as digitally mature is sort of the highest organizations, um, sort of are get concerned about. And so really 
what this connective tissue that we offer through our composer service is about simplifying the process of connecting all of these pieces. And so that's what we refer to as connective tissue. Lots of platforms have APIs. It's how it's the process for, for actually making that all connecting all those pieces that make sense. So as an example, a tangible example is composer provides all of the underlying infrastructure from the cloud ops, DevOps perspective to manage those connections, right? So if you were, you know, uh, you know, your choices as a commerce application developer are, I'd have to, you know, create the integration, spin it up on a Lambda somewhere, run it as a serverless function, maintain, uh, uh, the, the connectivity and, and track both the APIs on either side of it. So if there's any changes to the APIs, I have to upgrade my integration. I have to scale that, um, integration, um, from a serverless function perspective based on demand. And, and, you know, now I'm in the business of managing all of that over time. Right. And I don't have one integrations. Like I said, that, you know, we, we talked to a company that had 19 integrations in their commerce stack. Right. So that's suddenly a lot of infrastructure to manage. It's not in your core competency. That's just to enable, turn on your commerce application. So composer enables you to, to offload all of that to us. Right. So we manage the infrastructure that, that runs those connections. You can, we give you parameters to tweak how, how that, how much data runs through that at a given time, um, to focus on sort of performance, functionality, trade-offs, what have you. But, um, you know, we make that, that's what we talk about when we're talking about, um, the, uh, connective tissue is providing all of that as a service. So that way we're, we take the integration burden off of the customer, right? Because, you know, what's happened over the evolution of commerce and these first few waves of it was in a monolithic system, all that, all that integration burden lived with the vendor the vendor just did it on their own. Now in the, in sort of this wave of sort of composable architectures, all of that shifts over to the customer. So we're taking that back and solving that problem in a different way through, by providing a cloud infrastructure for all that integration work. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that, that makes perfect sense from that old dev and web ops, um, layer point of view, which, um, I guess it's all about simplifying and speeding up projects, and and, and similar to I would I would say then the platforms that are truly headless who have given people almost like a, a front end framework for building out a headless store without having to build everything custom from scratch from the ground up. So I would say similar sort of principles speeding up projects, which most of my clients when I speak to them, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that speed and simplicity. Sure, sure. Well, actually, just one more point I want to make on that. You know, when we look at Composer, you know, we look at those integrations from our own experience implementing projects ourselves or with our partners. You know, oftentimes those are like four or six week projects to do those, right? So suddenly now I've got an instant on integration or I've got a load code environment to do that. And I can do that in hours or a couple days. That's real cost savings in addition to all of sort of the web, web op, dev op backend pieces. So that's one of the reasons why we're so bullish on this as a core component of sort of a composable strategy. Uh, so that leads me nicely onto the question about the, um, the kind of, I, I guess the, the, the reframing of the, the product strategy, um, which you've just recently announced. What, what I'd really love to know is, is from a merchant's point of view, what has changed or how has that product changed? And can you give us a few practical examples of of what it might mean for people using the platform. Sure. So for for our current customers, there's really no change at all. They can they utilize the platform um, 
the way they always have. I think for 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 organizations that are considering Elastic Path, um, what it what it does is is twofold, as we've been talking about. One is it's it narrows the um, decision criteria, so it saves them from a replatform, right? So they they can they don't have to create their three hundred line RFP and you know, go through a procurement process and all of that, they can get started much, much quicker um, because they they can focus on a narrow set of problems. Um, and it they can, you know, the, I think the more important piece, right, whenever you're doing new technology is what's, how quickly do I realize value from this? How quickly can this impact my business? And so, you know, I think the biggest thing that I'm excited about knowing, given that I own customer success and global services is, is I'm trying to accelerate that time to value realization um, because I know the faster that our customers start to receive, it's you know, see value on a day-to-day basis and impact on their business, the more likelihood that we can earn the right to then start to talk about other strategic initiatives, other problems to solve. Um, and this goes back to, as we were talking, the phased approach to implementation. Um, you know, I don't think there's any surprise here, but this is, it's about de-risking the whole process of adopting a new ca- uh, commerce platform and, um, and, and how do I accelerate time to value, you know, in periods of economic uncertainty, one of the things we've seen is initiatives and appetite for initiatives has gotten a lot smaller, um, in our customer base. Um, and so the question is, how do you align your product strategy to the sort of reforecast, um, appetites, if you will? Um, so that's probably been the the biggest change. Uh, plus, it, you know, from a branding perspective, it feels so much fresher and newer, and so the re- reaction of that has been very positive too. So, which has been great. Cool. Um, and I know we talked a bit about Composer. Um, so the the, the other part, mm-hmm. the part of the product I'd really like to drill into a bit is CX Studio. So a lot, a lot of businesses I work with will fall into, or generally fall into two camps. One where they are looking for content management capabilities and content orchestration out of a platform rather than having to uh, get a separate CMS. And others who come in with, uh, well, I've got a third-party CMS, a headless CMS, and actually I just need a platform that can connect it. So I'd love you to break down the, the, the studio, the CX Studio offer in terms of uh, what, what model does it work with? Is this a native CMS page builder, visual editor, or is it about the ability to connect um, CMSs into Elastic Path um, through like that connected tissue you talked about? Sure. So, uh, so CX Studio is a is a front end as a service. So I wouldn't call it a, a CMS. My background's in the CMS space. I worked at a company, Acquia, that was a, a enterprise vendor for the open source Drupal CMS. So, so, um, you know, CX studio is not intending to compete with Drupal or Adobe experience manager or anything like that. It's a CMS or contentful or any of the, any of the others. Um, but it's really about, uh, that front end service. So it's, um, so what it's nice is it can integrate with the CMS. It, um, it provides sort of visual editing capabilities for um, and page building capabilities, and it's really about that sort of rapid cycle uh, front end development. You know, one of the things that I saw years ago at Acquia was um, so much, so many of my customers had were had much more investment in their front end development teams because the 
you know, part of what they were trying to create on their experiences, their customers touch and saw was moving at a pace much faster than the CMS, you know, technologies themselves. And so they invested in front end development because that's where they could innovate and, and move quickly to create differentiated experiences. And so, you know, we look at front end as a service, it, you know, and CX Studio is a, is a similar pace to accelerate that pace of innovation um, to help drive a business objectives. So, you know, we're, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a really interesting technology. What we're finding in the problem to be solved sort of approach to um, talking to new prospects and customers is there's lots of challenges on the front end, right? Their, their, their uh, demands on the merchandiser far exceed their ability to execute, execute those. And so, you know, a product like CX Studio becomes a great landing point to get started with the technology. It fits, can fit very nicely with existing plat, um, your existing commerce platform or um, content platform. And then, uh, and then gives the ability to quickly launch and build and launch new pages to drive outcomes. Um, you know, one of the things that we're really excited about is, is it's very much a data. There's, there's a really solid data play within CX studio that complements what merchandisers are doing day to day to day. So there's, you know, personalization and dynamic content you can create. Um, custom content blocks on the pages and personalize those. And that personalization persists as someone navigates between the core site and these landing pages. Um, we provide a bunch of um, analytics and integrate with CDPs like Clavio and a bunch of analytics pieces. So, you, and you get aggregated analytics across all of those tools. Um, and we allow you to run multiple tests at the same time on the same page. So, you know, really giving merchandisers a lot of flexibility to how do they optimize for conversions on those pages. Um, but so there's, there's a whole bunch here, um, with CX studio, but I think the biggest pieces is, is that it, it really does sort of deliver on the plat the promise of unplatform in that it's designed to solve a specific set of problems, um, for a specific persona. Um, it makes it easy for them to, to realize value around those problems, um, very quickly deliver results and then sort of, you know, and obviously build a relationship with elastic path over time. So if I answer that correctly, then, so it's, it's, it's commerce engine agnostic. So you can take UCX studio for the front end, but you could be on a different shopping cart. You don't have to be using elastic Path commerce yeah. engine. Yeah, uh, right. And it works with Shopify and with 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 Elastic works with Shopify and Elastic Path, and we're looking to build additional connectors um, to other commerce platforms. Right. So, um, so again, to this to our, to the thread of our discussion is it's not about moving. You know, doesn't require you to move to Elastic Path to do all these interesting things on the front end just to get started. Yeah, it's nice, and I've seen that approach in some other. Um, by larger technology companies where the modularization of those components means that customers who might be looking for a long-term migration to the, a bigger stack can go with a simpler approach up front, which is I'm not moving my legacy e-commerce because that is a really complex isolate and retire project it will take years, but actually I can move to more yep. um, like nimble and agile front end as phase one. Then maybe I add in some of like merchandising capabilities, then I gradually transition. So yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, and that's what we think the, you know, at the heart of Unplatform is that is the vision of what replatforms look like in the future, right? It's a, it's a, uh, you earn a, a vendor like us earns the right to solve the next problem and the next problem. And at some point, you know, you may have updated your, your commerce infrastructure altogether, but it's not, uh, you know, high risk, you know, high, you know, jobs on the line kind of project that it, it, it too often is today. Yeah, and it's also I much prefer the, the the commercial models around this this approach to product is so much more in tune with how um, like e-commerce businesses and the finance teams are thinking because it's 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 pay for what you're using rather than pay for a license for an entire totally. platform where you might only use forty percent of that ecosystem, and that lends to people getting fed up because they're burning money on things that 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 they're not useful because they've got specialist third parties replacing. Yeah, interesting. Um, so let's come back to exactly. the, 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 my final exactly. question. Yeah. Um, final question is around product roadmap. Um, so obviously there's been yep. a lot of strategic thinking that sits behind, you know, where you're going with these different products and these components and this, this some platform, um, like go to market strategy. What's happening with the roadmap? Like, well, mm -hmm. you know, what maybe like, what are some of the big things that, that have happened recently? You know, what's coming up in the future that merchants can get excited about? Sure. So, um, so I think uh, of, of late, the, the, a couple of things that, are, that have been big for us have certainly been EP payments. Um, so getting into the payment space and offering a solution there, right? One of the things that we find with merchants is, is their relationships with their payments provider are, um, you know, it's easy to be stuck as a small fish in a big ocean. And so you don't get the attention you need from a support and operations perspective around payments. And so we've seen um, a lot of adoption of EP payments around that, having a better relationship with their payment vendor. Um, this, the second thing is multi-store management. So we've introduced a solution there. We have a customer who's running more than 500 stores today on our multi-store management solution. Um, and so, you know, I come, as I mentioned, I come from the CMS space. We saw, you know, a world where everyone was trying to, you know, shrink the number of websites down into just one website at a time when the you know, the ease at which it was easy to spin up a website was exploding. And so organizations would have hundreds, if not thousands of websites. We think a similar thing's going to happen in commerce, right? And so there's a, there's a common infrastructure with that, but there's lots of reasons to spin up stores, whether they're pop-up events or for your network of dealers or franchisees or what have you. And so We've created a multi-store management solution that's built on the underpinnings of our product experience manager. So products and catalogs sit at the heart of that, um, which we think is a better approach to addressing the multi-store management problem. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, and then coming up for us in a similar vein is we're um, we're working on a subscription service. Again, it'll be an independent product. You can uh, purchase it al alone, but it builds a lot on the foundations of PXM and EP payments. Um, because what we're seeing is more and more companies, you know, it used to be sort of this hard line between sort of I sell a product that's a subscription product or I sell physical goods or one-time purchase goods. Now we're seeing more and more companies that sell one-time purchase goods also add subscription offerings to get more predictable revenue streams, to utilize it to move inventory, um, excess inventory. 
And so, you know, that combination of supporting both purchase models and purchase motions for your consumers is something we're really, really bullish about. And so the subscription service is something we're very excited about. So those are the, those are the, yeah, the big things. And like, we're doing, we're doing, a, we're doing a bunch with, uh, um, you know, with cu- customer data and we've got some integrations and some partnerships with some in the CDP space that we're really excited about. So we're doing some really interesting things there as sort of the whole network of the whole, um, market around customer data is changing so quickly, right? So it's important to market merchandisers. We offer Clavio integration into CX Studio, but we think there's a bigger role for that in the commerce place going forward as, as brands seek to own more of their customer data and providing, providing tools to capture that and act on that in your commerce experiences directly. Interesting. That's uh, why I love watching the product roadmaps develop. It's always a fun thing to, to uh, voyeuristically keep an eye on in the market. Uh, Brian, that's that's all the questions I wanted to answer. I mean, we've gone for hours probing into more detailed um, uh, product strategy stuff and product updates. I'm sure there will be future episodes on these areas. But, but thanks so much for taking the time to come on and share your your insights around where Elastopal said it. Great. James, really appreciate the opportunity to, sp- to speak to you today. Thank you. Cool. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, keep the ear open for our next episode. We drop one every week. And don't forget to give us that rating wherever you're listening or watching before you go. Thanks, everybody. Until next week, take care. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.